Hi there, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Kinsey, bringing you a very special episode. Today kicks off our 30-day segment on teen dating violence. Teen dating violence is something that unfortunately is very common. However, it is a topic that is just not talked about enough. When we think about violence in relationships, the majority of us often just think about it happening to adults. However, the statistics around teen dating violence ends up telling a whole different story. According to the CDC, nearly 1 in 11 female and approximately 1 in 15 male high school students report having experienced physical dating violence in the last year. About 1 in 9 female and 1 in 36 male high school students report having experienced sexual dating violence in the last year. Not to mention 26% of women and 15% of men who are victims of contact sexual violence, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime first experienced those or other forms of violence by that partner before they were 18. The CDC also states that there's multiple forms of teen dating violence. There is physical violence, sexual violence, psychological aggression, and even stalking. Over the next 30 days, we will be talking about teen dating violence cases, speaking to survivors of teen dating violence, and those who are experts on the topic. Our goal is to shed light on this under-talked-about topic because it can shape your teen's entire life. We highly advise each parent of a teenager listening to have your teenager listen with you to help educate them on what to look out for when in a relationship with another teenager. On today's episode, I will be talking about the teen dating violence case of Emma Walker that tragically ended in her life being taken way too soon. This first teen dating violence case takes us all the way down to Knoxville, Tennessee. For those of you who do not know, I am from Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is about 40 to 45 minutes from Knoxville. Knoxville is the closest city from Gatlinburg, so I did spend a lot of time there growing up. According to ABC News, Emma grew up in Knoxville with her family. And I had followed this case from the very beginning when it happened since I am from the area. And Emma was one of the most natural beauties I have ever seen. She was just absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. According to Emma's family and her friends, not only was she an absolute beauty, but she was also a very happy and vibrant person. They said that Emma loved to dance around and do silly things just to always have fun. Emma was also a very intelligent girl who was often on the honor roll. In the fall of 2014, she became a freshman at Knoxville Central High School. Emma also had a major passion for cheerleading and was a natural at it, according to her friends and family. They said that she loved cheering out in front of the roar of the crowd under the lights on Friday nights. Being a beautiful, outgoing, fun, and high-spirited girl, Emma ends up catching the eye of a boy pretty quickly on the football team. And according to ABC News, that was Riley Gall. At the time, Emma was just 14 and Riley was a 16-year-old junior. Riley was also the football team's all-star receiver, and even though he was the team's all-star, according to his close friends, Riley had what they called a nerdy side. Given that an older, popular boy took interest in Emma, things ended up taking off pretty quickly. Soon, her social media was just filled with multiple pictures of her and Riley, and she would often make statements like, look at how lucky I am. These two were known as like the it couple. They were known as the couple that everybody wanted to be, and they were seen as soulmates and very much in love. According to Emma's parents' interview on 2020, Riley was just the kind of boy that they wanted for their daughter. He was very active in their community church, and when he first started coming to their home, he was super polite and well-mannered. Everything was yes ma'am and yes sir. However, 
Riley and their relationship was not as perfect as people saw it to be. According to her parents on ABC News, the more that Riley came around their home, the more they realized that something was off about him and something was just not right. They said that he went from being really well-mannered and polite to having a bad attitude with Emma. He started telling her what she could and couldn't wear and who she could and couldn't talk to. Her parents were not okay with this, so they ended up stepping in and telling Riley, hey, look, you're not her mom and dad. You do not tell her what to do, and you do not tell her what she can and can't wear. That's our job. And not only did her parents start to pick up on red flags pretty quickly, her friends have stated that they did as well. They said that right when they started dating, Riley had no interest in meeting her friends or getting to know them or even wanting to be around them. And they said to them that was really odd. They were all around the same age. They all went to the same high school. They all did the same things. Why would he not want to get to know us? And he would get frustrated with Emma when she would want to be around her friends. And they wanted to say something to Emma, but they said that they saw how happy she was and that she really liked this guy, and so they did not want to say anything just yet. Everyone in her life figured that this relationship was going to end pretty quickly, but it ended up being two years long, and during this two years, Emma and Riley were constantly fighting and constantly breaking up and getting back together. Over the two-year time frame, Riley's behavior became more and more erratic towards Emma. He became extremely clingy and controlling. He started becoming very frustrated if Emma was with anybody but him. He was trying to isolate her. He was controlling her daily activities, who she could speak to, and what she could wear. Her friends and family stated that on the outside, their relationship looked like your typical teenage relationship. But it was anything but that. And anything but normal. Riley was so obsessed with what Emma was doing and who she was around at all times that Riley ends up sitting outside her place of work for hours to watch her. Her friends and family also stated that the two of them often got into fights and these were very dramatic over-the-top fights. They said that these fights between them were something that they had never seen from people their age. Although these fights did not take place in person, they often took place over text message and Snapchat. Like any concerned mother, she starts looking through Emma's phone because she's really worried about Emma. She's becoming really withdrawn. She's not acting like herself and she wants to get to the bottom of what the heck is happening. So she ends up going through Emma's phone and what she finds is that Riley is being extremely verbally abusive to her daughter. In one message that her mom came across, Riley said, I hate you, I hate everything about you, and you're the biggest bitch I have ever come in contact with. In one certain message that really alarmed her mom, stated, I'll check for your obituary, fuck you. Like, I just can't even comprehend someone making statements like that to somebody that you truly love and care about. My husband and I started dating as teens in high school, and I could never imagine having those things said to me by the first boy that I ever trusted and fell in love with. You just don't say that to somebody that you care about. That's abuse. Horrible verbal abuse. Not only is that verbal abuse, but that's also mental and emotional abuse as well. Her parents did end up questioning Riley about the text messages to their daughter, and he just ends up saying, oh, well, 
I was angry and I said something stupid. If you are getting that angry with somebody that you're in a relationship with, that's not healthy. You cannot treat your significant other like that just because you're angry. Emma's parents did try to tell her that the things he was saying and doing to her were not okay. But being that age, unfortunately, you think you know everything and you don't even really realize that what is happening to you is actual abuse. She just wanted to be with the boy that she thought loved her. Her parents being really concerned for Emma's well-being did what any other concerned parent would do. They tell Emma that they need to break it off. They ban Riley from their home and they end up taking Emma's phone away so that the two are not able to communicate. But of course, when you tell a teenager, no, they can't do this or that, or no, they can't have this or that, they're going to want it and they're going to do it more. According to ABC News, Riley ends up giving Emma an iPod Touch, which she was able to connect to her family's Wi-Fi so that they could still communicate. In these messages that her parents saw on this iPod Touch, he was being very verbally abusive and saying the most nastiest things but then he would turn around and say the most sweetest things to her telling her how beautiful she was and how much he loved her and how much she meant the world to him what was happening is that riley was love bombing her according to psychology today love bombing is the practice of overwhelming somebody with signs of adoration and attraction abusers like riley love bomb their victims because they know that after the abuse their victim is likely going to be distant and they use that love bombing tactic to manipulate them into cutting that distance and coming back to them. Riley's manipulation ended up working on Emma because in the fall of 2016, the two were still dating despite her parents' best efforts to keep them apart. At this time, however, Riley was no longer attending Knoxville Central High School and was a freshman at Maryville College where he played football. Maryville College is a smaller private D3 college in Maryville, Tennessee, which is located about 30-ish minutes from where Emma lived in Knoxville. Even though it was not too far, the two of them with their very busy schedules were seeing less and less of each other. Although they saw less and less of each other, the abuse did not stop. It ended up just getting much worse. Around the end of October, her parents end up grounding her in another attempt to keep her from Riley. She was not allowed to do or go anywhere except for school, cheer, work, and home. To her parents' surprise, they noticed that their plan was actually working. The less Riley had access to her, the more Emma started becoming that happy, vibrant girl they knew her to be. Her family stated to ABC News that Emma was not staying in her room closed off as much as she was before and she'd actually come out and eat dinner with them and socialize and interact with her family, which was what she was not doing before. Her family had finally thought, this is it, we're getting our Emma back. She had even sent a text message to her closest friend, Keegan Lyle, that stated she and Riley were done for good. Her family and friends were overjoyed that Emma had finally overcome the manipulation and abuse and realized that she deserved better and she deserved to be treated the right way. But of course, Riley ends up taking the breakup really hard and just goes off the rails. At one point, while in his dorm at Maryville College, he took multiple painkillers with alcohol in an attempt to commit suicide. Committing suicide was not an uncommon thing that Riley would bring up to Emma over the two years. When she would break up with him in the past, he would always try to manipulate her and say that he was going to kill himself in order for her to stay with him. 
Riley's best friends watched him go through the most outlandish mood swings after Emma broke up with him for good. His best friend Alex stated that he would constantly moan and cry and complain about how badly he was hurting and how he wanted to take his own life. Alex felt that this was Riley's way of getting his friends to feel sorry for him and for him to be able to get more attention. With Riley out of the picture and Emma finally back to her normal self, her parents started to give her more freedom. On November 18th, 2016, Emma went to cheer at a playoff game for the football team and went to celebrate their win with all of her friends. Emma went home that evening with several friends to hang out at a classmate's house. What she thought was going to be a normal fun night turns out to be anything but that. While Emma was there having a really good time with her friends, she starts getting these really odd and weird text messages from some random number that she did not recognize. And I'm going to read these text messages to you guys so you understand the severity of the behavior behind them. The unidentified person ends up sending the first message around 11.30. And this message says, go to your car with your keys, go alone. Emma, who is this unidentified person? What part of alone wasn't clear? Emma, yeah, I'm not going to because I don't know who this is, lol. Unidentified person, I don't want to hurt a loved one. Emma, what question mark? Unidentified person, I've got someone you love. If you don't comply, I will hurt them. If you tell anyone about this, I will hurt them still. Emma, show me, lol. Unidentified person, no pictures. Stop playing around and do as I say. Drive to the bottom of the driveway. If you don't buy 1150, I will hurt them. Bring no one. Emma, I know you're one of Riley's friends, but stop. Unidentified person, I won't harm you. Just do as I say and you won't be hurt. Emma, I'll just call the cops. Unidentified person, have it your way. Emma, I know you're Riley's friend. I'm not stupid and you won't hurt him. I'm blocking you. Unidentified person, I'm no one's friend. We have him now. You have till 11.50. Emma, I broke up with Riley, so chill. Unidentified person, if you do not care about him anymore, then it shouldn't bother you. You have made your choice. Emma, I know Riley put you up to this. I'm not dumb. Unidentified person. We have him currently. He hasn't put anyone up to anything. If you are okay with him getting hurt, that's your choice. Emma, I'm blocking you. This is bullshit. Unidentified person. You may want to answer his call. We're letting him have his phone to call anyone before we hurt him. Four minutes. Call the police and he dies. Your choice. We're allowing him one last chance to get a hold of you. You've made your choice. If you do not want to hear his crying and screams, Give him a call. Until next time, he is in a ditch beside her house. It's a shame you can all of a sudden not value someone else's life. You might want to check on him. Since you don't care, just let him lay there. He was unconscious when we left him. That was your warning. We will be back next time. It'll be worse. Humiliation, fun too, and watching you make him out to be a crazy person made our night. See you soon. Obviously, these text messages are really not normal and they're pretty scary. But in the beginning, Emma was just thinking that this is one of Riley's friends and that he put him up to this and she had nothing to worry about. She thought it was just a prank. But as the text messages went on, she started to really feel uneasy. So she went up to one of her friends, Zach Green, who was also a mutual friend of Riley's, and she was crying. He asked her what was wrong and she said, you know, I've been getting these really scary text messages from an unknown number saying that they kidnapped Riley and that he's outside of this house. 
So Zach and Emma end up going outside and when they get outside they look to the right and there was like a black figure laying in the grass and they realized that it was a body and the body was laying there face down. And right away they realized that it was Riley. So Zach asks Riley, what are you doing here? And Riley ends up standing up and like holding the back of his head, acting all dazed and confused as if he got hit in the head and knocked out. And he was saying to them, I don't know how I got here. Last thing I know is that these people had me and they hit me and I blacked out. I don't know how I got here. I'm really confused how I ended up here. Zach ends up telling Riley that he needed to leave the house and not come back. This entire situation just blew my mind. How mentally unstable do you have to be to be able to stage your own kidnapping, scare the crap out of your ex-girlfriend, and think that you're going to get her back? That is beyond manipulative. It's just more mental and emotional abuse towards Emma. Emma herself also ends up telling Riley that he needs to leave the home. She says to him, look, I just broke up with you. You need to leave and leave me alone. Riley does end up listening to Emma and he leaves the home, but he ends up walking away just very distraught and upset. So he decides to call his closest friend Noah Walton and tell Noah that he was kidnapped. According to ABC News, Noah knew that it was just a load of bullcrap, but he wanted to hear what he had to say. So Riley ends up telling him a story of how these people kidnapped him, hit him in the head, stole his car, and then dumped him in a ditch somewhere and he has no idea where he is. Even though Noah already felt that this is a lie, he went ahead and said, okay, well, let's go ahead and call the cops. And Riley gets really frantic and says, no, 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 no cops. And that's how Noah knew for sure that this was a lie. And just when you think Riley's behavior can't get any crazier, it just gets worse. Hey, y'all, guess what? I have something super exciting to share with you. Have you ever heard of Unsolved Case Files? It is a murder mystery game that gives you the opportunity to put your armchair detective skills to the test. It is so cool because it's as if you were given a real authentic case file and asked to solve it. The file includes realistic material like witness statements, suspect interrogation notes, newspaper articles, mugshots, and real life like evidence to help you solve the case. Every case file has three different objectives and after you solve each objective, you get to open an envelope that contains further evidence to help get the case solved. But if your skills aren't as sharp as you thought, no biggie because you can go online where they offer hints if you get stuck. What I really love about unsolved case files is that it is a really fun group activity. My husband is not big into true crime, but when I bought ours, he was stoked at trying to beat me to solve our first case. And if you're anything like me, a true crime addict and a top-notch armchair detective, then you will think that it'll be a breeze to solve this case. However, to my surprise, it took us two whole date nights to solve our case. Even though it took two nights, it was the most fun date night because it felt like we were going to be able to solve a real case and help bring real justice. It felt so cool opening up the evidence bag it came in. It felt as if I had finally finished my degree and finally got my dream job as a criminal investigator. Unsolved Case Files currently has five different case files and we seriously cannot wait to get our hands on the rest of them to see if we can solve them in less time. I really love that Unsolved Case Files is not one of those subscription boxes where you have to pay monthly in order to get more evidence to solve a case. 
This gives you everything you need all at one time, giving you the opportunity to solve it in one night. That's if your skills are just that good. I highly recommend putting your skills to the test by going to unsolvedcasefiles.com and ordering your case file today. Even better, you can use my code UCF5CP to get $5 off your purchase. Karmaholics, don't wait. Get those cases solved. The next morning on July 19th, 2016, Emma was at her home getting ready to meet her mom in town. While Emma was at home getting ready, she ends up getting a knock at the door. But this knock ends up changing into banging and repeated doorbell ringing over and over again, which ends up scaring Emma. She kind of peeks out the window and all she can see is a person in all black banging and trying to open her door. This frightens Emma. But instead of calling the police or calling her parents, Emma ends up texting Riley. She says, I hate you, but I need you right now. Riley texts back, I'm coming, I'm speeding, just give me a minute. When Emma did not show up to meet her mom, Jill, she got really, really scared and wanted to check on Emma. So she ends up going back to her home to see if Emma is there. And when she pulls up to the house, she sees Riley in the driveway. And according to ABC News, she has this feeling of, oh my God, why is this kid here? Like we just got him out of our life. Why is he standing in the driveway with my daughter? So before she can even ask any questions, she walks right up to Riley and she says, you're not supposed to be here. You need to leave. And he says, no, I'm not leaving. I'm here to check on Emma. So she politely repeats, you know you're not supposed to be here and you need to leave. Thankfully, he did leave and her mom says to her, Emma, why is he here? And she says, I felt like a burglar was going to come in and kill me. Jill was just not buying any of this. She said to her, don't you think it's odd that Riley was involved in both incidences and he happened to appear at both times? And Emma said to her mom, no, like it was not him. Like I know it was not Riley. But Jill knew better. She knew that Riley was doing all of these crazy outlandish things in order to get Emma's attention to get her to talk to him again. It is pretty evident that the more Emma was rejecting Riley, the more unstable his behavior was getting. According to her mom and dad, even though she was super shook up from the events on Saturday, by November 20th on Sunday, Emma seemed to be doing okay. But for precaution, they wanted to follow Emma to and from work just to make sure she was safe. When Emma got off of work that Sunday night, her parents stated that she came home and told them she was going to go do some homework and she went to her room. There is text messages showing that she texted her best friend Keegan to thank her for help with a homework assignment and that she was going to go to bed and she would see her the next morning at school. Unfortunately, Emma would not make it to school the next day. According to ABC News, a little after 6 a.m. on Monday, November 21st, 2016, Emma's mom went into her room to wake her up, but Emma did not wake up. Her mom stated that she said her name. She didn't see anything. She didn't hear anything. She ends up bumping her leg to try and get her to wake up, but Emma still did not move. Jill says she looked at her face and she realized then she needed to check for a pulse. Jill said she could not find a pulse on Emma, and that's when she made the devastating phone call to 911. Where is your emergency? I can't walk What's going on there? 
Listening to that 911 call is so hard. I cannot imagine as a mom what that feeling would be like, especially after going to the lengths that she did to keep Emma safe from Riley. Emma's death was not right away suspected to be a homicide. It was actually called in as a suicide, But the investigator that arrives at the Walker home said she went into Emma's room and right away she noticed something off. On the bedroom wall where Emma's bed was had a small bullet hole right next to Emma's pillow. That is when the investigator called in and said this is not a suicide, this is a homicide. According to ABC News, the investigators end up rushing Emma's parents out of their home telling them they needed to leave. They had no idea what was going on or what had happened to Emma. Even though at this time her parents really did not even know what happened to Emma, word spread quickly around town that Emma was no longer alive, and they were all shocked. This was not something normal for this area, especially for a girl like Emma. People felt how in the world could someone like Emma Walker be dead. Once law enforcement started treating this as a homicide and no longer a suicide, they started looking for evidence really quickly. And they started with the bullet hole. So they went to the exterior of the home and the investigator said that this bullet hole was about shoulder height. This was the bullet that hit Emma Walker in the head and killed her. Law enforcement were looking around and they ended up finding a shell casing in the grass just below the bullet hole. As law enforcement was looking on the ground for any other evidence, they end up walking around the corner of the home. And as they approach the corner of the home, on the side there, there is a second bullet hole. Law enforcement said that this bullet hole was also about shoulder height, but this bullet did not end up striking Emma because her pillow ended up stopping the blow. With this information, law enforcement was pretty stunned. Who would want to kill this young girl and why? All law enforcement could determine at this point was that whoever fired those shots into Emma's room knew that's exactly where she slept and that she would be sleeping. Once law enforcement did get the opportunity to question her friends and family about who would want to hurt Emma, every one of them gave them the name Riley Gall. So law enforcement ends up bringing Riley in for questioning. And according to ABC News, prior to him coming in for questioning, Riley was all over Facebook like he was a super loving, doting boyfriend and that he was grieving really hard. But according to law enforcement, when they brought Riley in for questioning, he had almost no soul. He was not showing any type of emotion. He was not even calling Emma by her name. He just kept referring to her as that girl, that girl that passed away, that girl that's no longer alive. Law enforcement said out of all their years of questioning people, they've never seen somebody so blank when talking about somebody that they really cared about. What a lot of people did not know right before Emma's death was that Riley was having some car trouble and his grandpa ends up driving out to Maryville College to help him. They ended up switching cars at some point and his grandpa had left his gun inside the car. When he got his car back from Riley, the gun that was in the car was no longer there. His grandpa knew that Riley was really struggling with this breakup between him and Emma and had contemplated suicide. So he called Riley right away asking where the gun is and Riley said he had no idea where it was. As law enforcement was questioning Riley about Emma's death, 
He kept denying any involvement. He said, I had nothing to do with it. I don't know what happened to her. It was not me. But what Riley did not know is that law enforcement had already talked to one of his really close friends. And that close friend ended up telling law enforcement about how Riley got that gun from his grandpa. So, of course, law enforcement asks Riley, where is that gun? And Riley denies even ever having that gun in his possession. But law enforcement says, hey, like we talked to your best friend. Your friend said that you had it. Where is it? But Riley is just staying tight-lipped. He's not giving law enforcement any information whatsoever. After pushing and pushing Riley for information, he finally starts to open up to law enforcement and tells them that on Sunday night, before Emma went to bed, that they had spoke on the phone. He tells law enforcement that he was begging Emma to take him back, and she just said, no, I'm not going to do it. And Riley ended up becoming a freaking mess. He says that he drove from campus to his grandparents' house for some reason, never said why. He drove back to campus and ended up sitting in his car for over three hours just sobbing over Emma. He says he was looking at the pictures of them together and he just felt broken. Without any proof and solid evidence that he is the one responsible for Emma's murder, law enforcement has no choice but to let Riley go. So right when he ends up leaving the police station... He ends up texting his friend about the gun and says to him, why would you tell the cops about the gun that I have? They're going to try and charge me for something that I did not do. Riley ends up telling his two best friends that he needs to get rid of the murder weapon so that way they cannot pin it on him. But his friends knew right then that if he was trying to get rid of that murder weapon, he was the one who killed Emma. So these two young boys just being completely heroic end up reaching out to law enforcement and saying, is there anything we can do to make sure that he does not get rid of that weapon? And law enforcement ends up telling him, we can wire you guys up and if you can get Riley to admit it and we can get our hands on that gun, we can prove that he killed Emma. So his two friends end up agreeing to help law enforcement. They end up giving the boys a key fob that has a recording device in it and they invite Riley over and get him talking about that murder weapon. I don't know who shot him. I put that on my life. I'm not, I wouldn't lie to you right here right now. I don't know who did. I would never hurt her a day in my life. I had that gun because I was scared about what happened. I know you don't believe me. You probably don't either. Tell them you're on LSD, you were drunk, and you were high. Your mind was altered. Whatever statement you give them wasn't a straightforward answer. But I'm trusting you guys, like, with my life because I mean this is 70 years in jail if I get convicted of something I didn't do and are you guys are you busy right now like are you about to do anything well, can we go to the bluffs because I I need to get rid of the gun at the bluff I'm going to throw it into the water they will never, they'll never Listen. find it in the river the amount of courage that these boys had to be able to set their best friend up like this is so amazing to me that they had the courage to be able to sit there with a straight face and get him to admit to having this gun. And it really also just sends chills down my spine listening to Riley just sit there and talk about all of this as if he did not ever do it. And it's just like there's no emotion in his voice whatsoever. If he really was that lovesick, grieving boyfriend, you would think that when he talks about Emma, there would be some type of emotion. But you can hear in his voice that there is just nothing at all. 
According to ABC News, Riley and his friends end up leaving the house and they head over to Riley's mom and stepdad's home. He says that the gun is in the basement and he goes downstairs to get it and when he comes up from the house, the boy said he had a white trash bag. When he got in the car, the boys kind of started questioning him about it to see if they can get him to let them see the gun. But he would not let them see it and just kept saying that it's in this bag and I threw it in here with a bunch of other trash. What Riley did not know is at this time the boys were still wired up and that they both were in a group text message with the law enforcement telling them updates about what was happening. I really have to give major kudos to these two boys for being able to stay so calm and collected during this time. I couldn't imagine trying to keep my cool when something like this is happening and I'm in the car with the guy who murdered one of our friends. But the boys do stay completely calm and on the way to the bluffs they end up stopping at a fast food restaurant to get food. They eat it and they're just talking and hanging out and acting like everything is totally normal. Along the way they still try to get Riley to bring the gun out and they say things like oh I've never seen a real gun before like I want to see it and Riley says no 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 I'm like I'm not I'm not pulling it out. Once they leave the fast food restaurant they're driving down the street and they end up coming into this apartment complex. They end up pulling into a parking spot and Riley starts shuffling through the bag and ends up pulling out the gun and one of his friends says really loudly so that way they can hear him on the wire Oh wow, that is a real gun. And that was when law enforcement knew it was time to move in. The boy said that Riley was putting on white gloves and there was also different pieces of black clothing in there that the law enforcement believes that Riley wore the night of the murder and when he went to Emma's house that Saturday banging on her door. According to the boys, it took all of 90 seconds for the cops to move in and arrest Riley. People were shocked. People in Knoxville and the surrounding areas were just shocked when they found out that a young college football player had been arrested for the murder of Emma Walker. I remember this when it was breaking news when Riley Gall was arrested. And even I too was shocked that this young man had murdered Emma. But shortly after his arrest, everyone found out the details surrounding her murder. In May of 2018, two years after Emma's murder, Riley ends up finally standing trial. His defense attorney ends up using the argument that Riley did not mean to kill Emma that night. He was just trying to scare her to get her attention. That right there shows you that Riley's behavior was so crazy and he was so unstable that his defense attorney could not come up with a better argument. It ends up taking the jury only five hours to find him guilty of first-degree murder, stalking, theft, reckless endangerment, and being in possession of a firearm during a dangerous felony. And in the state of Tennessee, a first-degree murder charge conviction carries an automatic life sentence. So thankfully, Riley Gall is behind bars for the rest of his life, but that does not fix what Emma's family is feeling. As a mom of a daughter, it just crushes me and breaks my heart knowing all the things that her family is going to miss out on because this guy took their daughter's life. If you are a parent with a teenager, we ask that you guys let your teenagers listen to these episodes with you. Discuss it with them and help educate them on the red flags and the signs so that they can protect themselves as well. We cannot stress enough how important it is to educate our teenagers to protect them. 
As stated in the beginning of this episode, over the next 30 days, it is our goal to shed light on this topic because you guys, it is just not talked about enough. We just think about violence with adults, but we do not think about what teenagers are going through in their own relationships when one of them is being abusive. As parents, it is our job to make sure that our children are not being physically, mentally, emotionally, verbally, or sexually abused in their relationships. And that starts with education. If you are not already, I highly encourage you to join our Crimeaholics podcast discussion group or follow us on Instagram to see pictures of Emma in the crime scene at the Walker home. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care. (laughs) 